Welcome home, and thank you for joining us here on the Real Life Church Podcast. We are people of faith with the voice of hope who are known by love. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So glad that um, people are having the courage and the boldness to step out and to do something about this. And, um, you know, like Jenny said, a couple years ago, we uh, took up an offering to give to Agape International Missions, which their whole sole purpose was to go and rescue these kids. And uh, so they were blown away. They sent us all kind of stuff. And, man, it's just been a, a beautiful thing. But, man, this is something, you know, as we're celebrating freedom this weekend, celebrating um you know, fireworks and good food, and we'll have some great food here in a little bit, and water slides, and, and you know, we'll have a great time, and, and we should, and we should celebrate, because people imagine this, they suffered, they struggled, they planted, they sowed, they died for what we get to experience today, so can we, man, I mean, I'm thankful, how many of you guys are thankful, really, um, we're free in so many ways, but yet the conflict for freedom continues morally, socially, politically, in so many other arenas. Together, we struggle to make freedom available for everybody who chooses it. And to me, um, children being taken is just not okay in my book. And um, and what happens to them, we won't go into that, but um, just uh, know that Jesus cares about them. And, you know, as we were talking Wednesday night, I, I made the statement. I said, you know, uh, matter of fact, if you're watching online, uh, there's some people I minister to this week. I'm like, listen, it's awesome to know that God is powerful. It's awesome to know that God can part the Red Seas, that he can open up graves. We sang about he's not in the grave this morning, That right? There's resurrection. I see another resurrection. Like, it's awesome to believe and understand that God is powerful, but it doesn't mean anything if he doesn't care, right? I want us together. Can we just partner together with Angel Studios and spread this word? Put it on your social media. Get this word out. Let's still be a voice. Neil, open our gathering together today that we've been set free not to serve the flesh, not to indulge our lives, not to heap riches upon ourselves, but to serve others and make freedom voices ring throughout the nations. And together, I'm calling you guys. I'm calling you guys online um, and, and those who will listen to this podcast man please let's partner together to do good in the world right the bible well the bible doesn't actually say this some famous person said that all it takes for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing well we can say well somebody else will go to the movie somebody else will do it come on let's do something together amen we're better together can we um can we just pray about this? And I know Jenny's already done that. We're about to jump into the message and have some fun today. But I, I do want to pray for um, the, this moment, man, as this is happening. Because, like I said, and just to connect you guys um, for why I'm talking about this just for a moment. I had a dream years ago um, in which I was actually in a room. And I shared this when we took up our offering, but just trek with me for a minute, okay? So I, I'm having this dream, and I'm in a room, and when I'm in this room, I'm standing in the corner, and I can see the lives of people coming up on auction blocks. 
And while I'm there, pornography is bidding. While I'm there, there's all these different things in life that are bidding for them. But I'm standing over there with the church, and the church is saying nothing. Human trafficking wants them. Pornography wants them. You name it. They're all bidding. They're waving their hands. They're frivolous. They're throwing money. I'll pay this for them. I'll pay this. And the church is over there silent. And Jesus has tears streaming down his face as he looks standing beside the victim who was on the slave blocks. Jesus is beside them and is looking at his church crying. Why will you not bid for them? Why will you not fight for their freedom? Why will you not get involved in this? And the church was just, eh, don't really want that one. Don't really care. And so, anyways, this moment has been real for me. I feel actually called to be a part of this. So I, I speak to you from the depths of my heart. Let's do something together, okay? So let's pray one more time, and then we'll jump into the message. Father, I thank you for fireworks, and I thank you for awesome food. I thank you for the smiles and the laughter. I thank you for the joy we'll experience today. We're not going to do this with some uh, shame because we've been set free. No, we're going to celebrate our freedom But we're just also going to make sure we use our freedom to pass on love, to do good, and to serve others. So today, Lord, I thank you for the sacred unity we feel. I thank you for the oneness we feel. And I thank you for the memories that will be made today as people go down on those baptism tanks and rise up to walk in newness of life. We celebrate that in advance. And, Lord, we bless you. We love you. Lord, I just declare every person today. Lord, listening online, by podcast, and in this room, that they are good ground. Lord, that they hear the word, and it brings forth fruit 30, 60, 100-fold. I bless them today in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Man, so excited to be with you guys. Um, so today is the Summer of Love, Part 4. And today we're going to talk about what love ain't. So the first one, we talked about receiving God's love for us. Then we talked about loving ourselves, which is part of the second commandment. Then last week, we talked about loving our neighbor as ourselves. And this week, we're talking about what love ain't, what it isn't. Is ain't actually in the dictionary yet? Does anyone know? I don't know. I've heard it is. I heard it. Well, the Southerners finally got our own word in there. Um, Y'all might be in there now, too. I'm not sure. Uh, But um, so... It sounds kind of funny, right? Like, we're going to talk about what love ain't, what love isn't. And that sounds kind of paradoxical, right? But how many of you guys have um, learned in life what not to do, right? I mean, I think everyone in this room can say, hey, you know, I'm still not so sure about everything I'm supposed to do. But I'm, I'm certainly sure of some stuff I'm not supposed to do. Like, I put my hand on the stove. That didn't work out for me. That's what not to do. You know what I mean? Like, we have scars in our soul and our mind and our lives and in our, in our story about things we've done that we learned what not to do, right? So um, God is interesting. God is amazing in that he uses these ways of communicating to us to fracture our familiarity with an idea or, or a subject. Because if, you know, it's, it, God could just say, hey, um, matter of fact, in the Ten Commandments, all right, let's play with that. Well, not play with it. Let's honor it. Uh, but, but let's talk about it, all right? So God could have said, uh, you know, instead of saying do not commit adultery, he could have said honor faithfulness to your wife or husband, right? 
But he doesn't. He says, don't commit adultery, right? And, and so every single one of these, he could have said, um, you know, do not steal. I mean, well, he did say that. But um, what he could have said is, honor the possessions of those around you. But for some reason, we have this, this thing inside. We need someone. No, don't do that. Like, that, that doesn't work out for you, right? And listen to me. This is so important to understand. This changed my life when I, when I first got this. I pray you get this aha today that, you know what? God is not trying to steal or rob your freedom from you. He just knows where those paths lead and that it actually leads to your shame, to your condemnation, to your guilt, and to the theft of your freedom. So he, he prohibits things not because he's trying to steal your joy, it's because he's trying to protect it. He's not trying to steal your freedom, he's trying to guard it. He's not trying to steal your joy or steal your future, he's trying to safeguard it. And so whenever we have big cliffs off of roads, right? Anybody ever been on some of them roads up in the mountains in Gatlinburg and they don't have a guardrail and you're like, who thought up this road? Like, it's going to snow here one day and somebody's going to go, you know, like we need guardrails in our life, right? I love the fact that, that somehow, some way, God actually does this. God says, listen, um, I'm going to create some guardrails in your life. I'm going to create some safety in your life. It's not trying to steal anything from you. It's actually trying to guard your best interests. And so it's so important that we learn sometimes, right, what not to do. And so um, God uh, does this for us. And, you know, Steve Jobs, the co-founder of Apple and the former chairman of Pixar Studios, aren't those such cool movies? Um, he says, and, and literally one of maybe the greatest CEOs in America in quite some time, um, passed away a couple years ago. But before he did, he said, it is so important that you decide what not to do as much as what to do. So today, God is actually going to talk to us about love, but he's not going to talk to us about what it is. He's going to talk, talk to us about what it is not. I think it's a clever way of fracturing our commonality, fracturing our familiarity with an idea by pointing at something and saying, let me tell you what it's not. Anybody ever said, like, had a friend or, or had something or, or a b bad mechanic work on your car and be like, you know, I don't know what a mechanic is, but I know that that's not one, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the saxophone's supposed to sound like, but I'm pretty sure that's not it, you know? Like, we somehow we have this instinct ability to know when something is not what, it's not doing what it's supposed to do, right? So um, anyways, um, God does this in the Torah over and over by saying, thou shalt not. And I think it's important because God is trying to protect us from the pig pens and the shame and the guilt and the condemnation that is waiting at the end of that trap. And so God protects us by uh, not just telling us what to do, but telling us what not to do. So 1 Corinthians tells us that what love is, and it tells us what it ain't. It tells us what it does, and it tells us what it don't do. So today we're going to focus on what love ain't and what it don't do. I don't know if that's good English. Probably not. But uh, we're going to have fun. First Thessalonians 4.9, before we get there, uh, says, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God. 
to love one another. Look at your neighbor saying, I'm taught by God to love my neighbor. Then look at him and say, you're supposed to love me. <laughs> so last week we discussed the command to love our neighbor. James in the scriptures calls it the royal law. Many of you guys are probably familiar with it being called the golden rule, right? But really, if you can hear it, it's the law of connection. It's the law of relationship. And that we, there is an exchange of value and honor and trust and connection. And so um, we also discussed last, year, uh, last week, uh, not last year probably, um, that there's a famous uh, first century B.C. Jewish rabbi named Hillel. And that means uh, 100 years before Christ. But he was dying as Christ was kind of coming in on the scene. So um, anyway, I won't bore you with all of that. But he was, he was said, hey, could you quote the whole Torah while standing on one leg, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, did it right? Who could do that? So um, anyways, Hillel says, oh, yeah, sure, I can. Whatever is hateful or harmful to your neighbor, don't do that. The rest is commentary. <laughs> and we, we, we say, well, why are you bringing that up? Because this, this writing, this, this way of explaining things, this way of inviting you to understand and, and embrace mystery isn't by pointing at something and saying what it is. It's actually by pointing at something and saying what it's not. And so Hillel uses this. This has been going on for thousands of years. Today, we're going to step deeper into this. I want you guys to stand with me. We're going to read today what love isn't and what it doesn't do, okay? Would you guys stand with us for the reading of the scripture? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Y'all ready? Love suffers long. Anybody ever suffered under a sermon before? Be like, man, that was so long. <laughs> Love suffers long and is kind. Here we go. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Would y'all agree with me? There's some stuff love don't do. <laughs> so let's, today, let's learn about what love ain't, okay? God bless you guys. You can be seated. Thank you. So the first thing is, I forgot to bring my palm. That's okay. Um, the first thing love does is, uh, or love doesn't do, is love does not envy. Uh, it, it, the word for this is really connected to the word love is not jealous. Anybody ever met anybody jealous? Do not look at your neighbor. Um, but <laughs> jealousy is a possessive mindset rooted in this fear of lack, because if I share this person or I share this, then there won't be enough for me. And so jealousy is rooted in this fear of lack, and it's, it's overly emotional in the bad sense. It can manifest in two different forms, one in which a person sets their heart on something that doesn't belong to them, and the other is negative feelings about another person's blessing. Y'all ever shared a blessing and, or, or, or heard someone else sharing a blessing and you start feeling mad or jealous? No one in this room's ever experienced that. 
I remember one time my wife and I, we worked at World Harvest. Well, we, we volunteered at World Harvest uh, for the prayer line. And if you, were, if you were at Bible college, you had to work on the prayer line. And uh, so I had no idea what to expect. But anytime there was a, uh, a, a call you didn't know what to do with, we had a white flag that we could wave and say, help me. I don't know what to do. My first call, y'all, working on the prayer line is a guy that calls in and says, I'll tell you what, I'm so mad, I'm so angry, God keeps blessing my friend, he got a new job, he got a raise, he got a car, he met the woman of his drive, I'm telling you, God don't do nothing for me, I'm so mad, I'm like a stepchild, I, I mean, he's going on, I'm like, well, sir, uh, sir, sir, he wouldn't let me get a word, I'm... <laughs> first phone call, I'm like, how do you help somebody with jealousy? Because the guy was living from this place of if God blesses him, he must not have enough for me. That your being blessed is actually robbing me of the opportunity of being blessed also. And so jealousy is rooted in this fear of lack, but love flourishes from this place of abundance. That love doesn't look at the world in scarce need. Love looks at the world and sees God's abundant supply. And that's so big. Um, let's see. Love can celebrate another person's blessing by realizing it does not diminish anything from me. God has enough for you and I. Amen. So I want to talk real quick before I jump into mine. You know, this word love that we're talking about right here in 1 Corinthians 13 is the word agape. It's the God kind of love. And we see this happen in John where God is giving his son, right, that God gave his son for us. And I think that it's really important to know because when we talk about agape, sometimes we want to love people when we feel it, Right? Whether we feel an emotional attachment, an attraction, whether they're our friends, whether, you know, we spouse, family, we want to, or they've treated us good. The agape kind of love is when we make a willful choice, when we choose love, when I choose to say, you know what, they may not deserve it, but I'm going to love them. Now, we need God's help to do this, Amen. How many of you can do it on your own? No. I try. How many of you try? We try, right? But this is the thing. To have agape love, we have to allow the love of God to be shed abroad in our hearts. So I'm going to use a very quick analogy, okay? Trek with me. If you haven't seen this movie, I'm not promoting, non-promoting, whatever. I'm just using this as I'm a visual We've already promoted one movie, but I'm just using this as a visual. How many of you guys have ever seen Beauty and the Beast? Okay, I think it's a movie most of you guys are familiar with. And I really wanted to have this particular scene because in the story of Beauty and the Beast, the Beast did not know how to love. He didn't know how to love and how to receive love. And so he gets what? He's transformed into this hideous beast. And so at this point, he meets Belle. I hope I'm not giving out any spoilers for you guys. But he meets Belle, and something begins to happen and begins to change. But I, I love this part. Right before the iconic song, I mean, if you guys remember that, he, they're dressed in the blue suit and her in her gold dress. I mean, I don't know. I was probably 12, 13 when that came out. I wanted to dress like that, you know. But 
there's this point where he's in, he, he's going to share his love for her. And he's getting um, dressed, and he's in the bathtub, and they're washing him. They're cutting his hair. They're brushing the fangs, and they're having this moment. And he's, the candle lumiere goes, voila! And they turn him around, and he's looking in the mirror, and he says, I look so stupid. And it was my favorite line. And sometimes this is what we try to do with love. We try to brush our fangs. We try to tame back those crazy hairs. We try to dress up, right? We try to look the part. But the beautiful piece about this story is at the very end. And I think it's just a beautiful visual that at the very end, he's about to to die. He's learned to love. He actually lets Belle go because he loves her, right? He thinks of her and not himself, of what he wants. But at this moment, when love begins, it actually begins to transform him literally from the inside out. If you remember the movie, I'm, I, please, I'm not promoting but, like, light begins to shine. And it always kind of bothered me, but I was studying this, and I was like, Lord, that is literally what your love does. Your agape love, when we begin to allow God's love into our heart, into every space of our life, it literally begins to transform. And we begin to see those little transformations by him letting her go and all these things. His behavior begins to change. But something happens when it becomes fulfilled and all that busts open, and guess what? He's transformed. And if we allow the God's love, his agape love, we won't have to just do behavior modification. We won't have to just put on the nice suit and tap back the hair. But, man, we can be transformed, okay? So can we go to the next one? It's, uh, there's our choose love. The next one we have is love does not parade itself. How many of you guys like going to parades? No, okay. Nobody likes parades, but that's okay. I still watch the Macy's Day Parade. It's just what we did as a kid, and it's just become, I got a few hands on that one. So when I can remember my grandma, I'm aging myself here, she said, you're going to wear that outfit? You're just going to go parade yourself out there? And I'm like, what? You know, this isn't really language that we kind of know today, but this means when I become the center of attention, It's when I'm parading myself, and I'm going to show it off. And everybody needs to look at me. And I want to just really quickly, there's two kind of things I want to share on this. First one is a parade is to show off. It's to be admired, to be seen, to become the center of attention. It's to actually gain recognition. And we can do this in one or two ways. One way, we can have a really overinflated ego of ourselves. Don't look at your spouse or your kids, but we can have this overinflated ego where it's all about me, and can I just tell you, if we live for all about me, you're going to live a really shallow life. You won't have deep connections. When it becomes all about us, we lose a beautiful piece of our world and our humanity and people in our lives. When we have to be the center of attention, if we find ourselves there, we need to repent. And we're going to, I know this one will jump in, I think, on a couple of his here. But the second one I want to talk about, sometimes when we do this, when we parade ourselves, you know where it's actually coming from? Insecurity. 
And you're like, what? How is that? Because when I'm not secure in the love of God, when I'm not secure in being his daughter or knowing my identity in him, then I need to make sure everybody else knows my value. We all have this innate in us, God created us, to want to be valued and to be known, right? We all agree with that. But we can go about meeting it in really unhealthy ways. And when we are insecure and we don't know that love of God that maybe hasn't fully transformed us. And sometimes, can I just tell you, sometimes we have it when we go to church. We're like, man, I'm a child of God. That's right. Woo. But then we may not know or that love may not be shed when we deal with our spouse or we deal with our kids. We have to allow the love of God to transform all these areas in our lives. Love does not parade itself. Wow. That's cool. That's deep. Um, some of these kind of tie in together. The second one is love is not puffed up. And I can't help but think about that without thinking about that puffer fish. You know, but um, it's literally a Hebrew idiom for uh, being inflated. And it's love is not inflated or full of hot air or the idea of enlarging your own ego or your own importance. You, know, you guys ever been around anybody whenever you tell a story, they got to one-up you? We call those the one-uppers. And then you actually have a better story than that one. So you're like, well, actually, I was kind of playing it low. And then they, they have an even better story than that <laughs> Matter of fact, I heard, a, I heard a comedian say one time that he wanted to be a, um, a counselor. So he was going to school to be a counselor, but then he realized that, uh, number one, he can't keep a secret. And number two, um, he, he thought people were crazy. He's like, I can't do this all day. Um, so he, he said, my favorite, he said, but you have to study personalities. And he said, my favorite one was the compulsive liar. He said, I, that was my favorite personality to counsel. He said, because I would make up stuff knowing there's no way you could one-up this. They would one-up it. You know what I mean? Like, or he would say, I would literally know, hey, this guy spent all weekend at the soccer tournament with his daughter. Like, he had no time to go fishing. But I would say, hey, man, I heard you went fishing and caught like three or four fish. He goes, actually, I did. He goes, oh, wow, you did? He said, how big were they? Oh, man, they were, they were this big. He said, that big? How many fish did you catch? 53. Wow, that must have taken you all afternoon. No, it only took me a couple hours. A couple hours? So you're catching literally like a fish every other minute this big? Like, you know. That's a person who is inflating yes. their own ego, right? And that is not Christian counseling, so yeah, we would right. actually pray for deliverance <laughs> right there. Uh, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, right? The scriptures are clear on this, that uh, love is strong, but love is humble. Love doesn't need to be the center of attention. And, I, man, when you're loved well, it, you know it. And so I, I love the and. Guys, listen, the truth is, God is love. So when we read these, we're also learning not only what God is like, but what God is not like. And God is not full of hot air. God is not inflating his own ego. God is humbly condescending to meet us where we're at. Love is not puffed up. 
So our next one is love does not behave rudely. How many have ever met some rude people in your lives? How many of you have ever been on the phone with customer service? And you're like, yes, uh, everybody right there just went, I was actually rude because it just started, you know, going. Um, but when we behave rudely, I want to kind of go, you got a story. I, well, <laughs> sorry. I, I heard, I heard, uh, I heard a guy one time, uh, he got a, a call from, a, a, he said, hey, man, I'm actually kind of busy right now. Can I get your number and call you back? They're like, oh, no, sorry, sir, we're not allowed to give out our number. He's like, why is that? You don't like people calling you that don't that you don't know? And uh, anyway, it was, next time you get a, a, a call, say, hey, man, you mind if I, can I write down your number and call you back? I think, see how that goes. I think that's the best thing with cell phones. We get the scam likely, so I don't even answer no more. But, uh. When we don't be, when we, love is not to behave rudely. And so just even going back very quickly on the beast thing, when we, we sometimes, we, like I said earlier, we want to behavior modify, and that's not where we start. It's good, it's good, but it's not the best. The best is when we allow the love of God to transform us. And when we do that, guess what it does? It actually changes how I respond to people. It changes how I react. It changes the way I see people. We talked about this last week. God, how do you see Mark? How do you see Mayanda? How do you see Tabitha? God, how, how do I show the love that you have for your children? Teach me to love. And this is something that is ongoing because we deal with people and, the, and people are all different. But I remember when, I, when God's love really began to transform me, can I tell you? There was a point in my life I hated God. I remember sitting on my um, garage roof. My parents were screaming, fighting. It was crazy. And I remember just looking at God, looking up into the heavens, and I said, I hate you. I hate you for the pain that's in my life. I hate you for what I'm feeling. Like, I have all this anger, and it's your fault. And you know what God could have done? He could have said, well, good luck with that, Jenny. This is where his agape love says, you know what? Even when you don't know it, deserve it, want it, I still loved you. I still have a plan for you. I still am going to come after you. That is our God. He does not behave rudely. But some of us, we wear this as a badge. Well, that's just how I am. I always feel like I have the bad stuff, like, you know, all the fun stuff. But some of us, we wear it as a badge. Well, that's just how I am. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you like I see it. There is the truth. And there, is, and there is a time to say stuff, but there's also how we do it. Being rude is actually, let me get it here. In essence, it means those who embody true biblical love do not speak or act in a way that's indecent, offensive or dishonorable to others this i know we are going to have an altar call the greek phrase could literally be translated it does not act unbecomingly or act inappropriately christian love does not seek to cause problems or belittle others christian love involves us choosing appropriate actions and responses to help others We're not supposed to try to rub people the wrong way using coarse words that we know is going to hurt somebody. 
you know, sometimes we can, um, and this is where I had put, I said sometimes we pride ourselves in being without airs or being insensitive in our timing or our tone and conversations. If we're belittling somebody, and I'm just going to put a little pin in here, because how many of you are sarcastic? My husband and I, we both will raise our hands. When we got married, we said we had a double dose of sarcasm. But God then had to get on us. Because in that, there's usually a little bit of truth where we were making fun of somebody. Now, if he's making fun of me, we got a good relationship. I'm all right with that. I am. I think you got to make fun of yourself sometimes. But if I'm making fun of somebody and it's, I know it's hurting someone and belittling them, and I'm using that sarcasm just to kind of throw it out, that doesn't line up with the love of God. So take it up with him, okay? We're almost done. We're almost done. We're, the, the, the landing gear is coming out, all right? Uh, the, I'm actually just going to tie in just a little bit. Number five is uh, love does not seek its own. In essence, love is not selfish. Uh, when we live for our own pleasure, you already said this, we actually... When, when you live for your own pleasure, all you find is disconnection and hollow relationships. So God is trying to show us what love is not so that you have meaningful, deep, connected, authentic, thriving relationships in your life and not these hollow, disappointing connections. Because when, when we live only for ourselves, all we end up with is a hollow uh, relationships. And old proverb says, uh, selfishness lies at the root of a thousand evils. Uproot the selfishness within you and you may find the Garden of Eden. So when we can stop living for ourselves and just maybe that's part of that taking up your cross daily and denying yourself, right? Um, I wish it was a one and done, man, you know, but... <laughs> um, but if all of our relationships stem from a place, listen, we're almost there, of using others to get my own needs met, man, I promise you, you will find a sense of deep loneliness. So the next one is love does not provoke. You know, provoking, it really is this pointing and prodding of, of causing somebody. You ever did that? And that's kind of even where I was talking about sarcasm a little bit. When you're poking and prodding somebody to the point that they're probably like, oh, my God, and they explode, that's literally, it's a, it's a violent outburst. It's where it's a fit or attack, a violent um, emotion or action, an outburst. Man, we're not supposed to do that. You know, it tells us even as parents, don't provoke your children. Wives, we get known as nags. Don't nag your husband and provoke them and poke them, you know. Husbands, don't do that either. Um, but, you know, we are to treat another, one another with love and respect. And like R.C. said, it's about when we choose to put other people above us, when we're choosing that. So that was really all I had for provoking. And this did happen in Paul, with Paul and uh, Barnabas, Acts 15.39. It says, Paul and Barnabas find themselves in a place of contention about whether to bring John Mark with them. And the, ten the contention got so intense, it said it actually got sharp, that they parted from one another. And that's that word there. And it, like R.C. said, when we do these things, it actually breaks relationships. So, you know, just I think it's interesting that Paul says, don't provoke one another. He's coming from firsthand knowledge. Wow. Um, 
Love thinks no evil. Let's all come to the altar this time. <laughs> um, another, another way of saying this, love keeps no record of wrongs. Um, so look at your neighbor and say, stop keeping score. Love dissolves the mental checklist. It ceases the internal inventory and the wrongs of others. The Greek word here is a word for bookkeeping or record keeping. It says love doesn't do record keeping. Wow. See, sometimes love forgives and forgets, but sometimes love remembers and forgives. The teaching of Yeshua is very clear. We must love our neighbor and our enemies. And lastly, it is love does not rejoice in unrighteousness or in iniquity. R.C. kind of mentioned this a little bit ago, but how many of us, I think a true test, and this one, I'm, can I just be honest, is sometimes hard for me. Um, because you have somebody who maybe has really hurt you or maybe spoken falsely against you or whatever that is. And this is what happens. This is the famous story. So, Mark, did you hear about Jenny? Like, there was a falling out, you know, and, and that little, you know, and the enemy knows how to bring it up. And he'll be like, did you hear about Jenny? Let me tell you, her life is messed up. Everything is falling apart. And either secretly or maybe not so secretly, we actually rejoice in their iniquity. And you know what the Bible actually tells us to do? To pray for them. I've had to, I, I'm, I'm being very transparent right now, especially even as pastoring, a lot more, where I've had to say, God, whew, right now I want to respond in a way. But I ask you to bless them. If I hear about people, whatever situations, God, it should actually bring me to, to tears. God, can they find repentance if, if they've fallen or whatever that is? Or if you find out they're blessed, that I can rejoice with those that rejoice, right? That I actually am happy, God, that they're doing well, that they're being blessed in you. Because internally, we're like, that was not how I wanted that to turn out. You know what I'm saying? I know I'll probably be the only one. I told you, I'll, be, I'll throw myself under the bus. It's all right. You know, uh, Solomon says, do not rejoice when your enemy falls, lest the Lord see it and it displease him. Yes. You know, did God rejoice in my iniquity? No, but he drew me. And I think this is interesting. We use this verse a lot, that um, press down, good measure, shaken together. We talk about that a lot of times with money. That's not. It's when we're actually giving judgment and forgiveness. The measure that we give is the measure that comes back to us. So I have had to learn that if I want grace and I want forgiveness and I want mercy in my life, I have to extend that. I've had people, they're like, you don't know what they've done. I'm like, are you the same person you were a year ago, five years ago? No. I hope not. And you know what? Give people a little bit of time. You'll see. But I have to give him the opportunity. 
God has given me the opportunity to grow and to change. That is our God. So, Neil, we're going to ask you to come. We kind of went over these, I know, really broad. But I think this is such a beautiful example. As R.C. said, our God is not envious and jealous in, a, in this unhealthy way. He doesn't parade himself that it's all about him. He actually says, man, I'm coming to give my life to bring you back into relationship with me, that we can do community, that we can do life, that you can have wholeness, that you can find healing and forgiveness and freedom and joy and peace and love, all of these things. I don't behave rudely towards you. You're actually engraved in the palm of my hand. I have plans and a hope to prosper you. He doesn't rejoice in our iniquity. He says, I've made a way, even when you're in your sin, to come back. I love the story of the prodigal. And I know we know it. Listen, God will give us, if we want to go and do our own thing, that's not God's heart, but he'll let you. And so many times, even as Christians sometimes, we say, God, I want that, but I don't necessarily want you. I want what you got. I want the benefits, but I'm going to go do my thing. And God says, I don't withhold anything from you. And we go and we do our own thing and sometimes end up in the pig pen, end up eating things we shouldn't be. But I love that even when I say, what in the heck am I doing? And conviction hits my heart. And I know that I need to come home or come back into his presence, that he's waiting. It doesn't give us a license to sin. That's not what I'm talking about. Because when you really love somebody, you're not trying to hurt somebody. I'm not trying to see, well, maybe I can go have an affair and RC won't find out about it because I love him so much. I want to honor him. That's my soulmate. That's my best friend. I want to love him. We joke around, and he says it at weddings all the time, try to outserve one another. So the love of God this morning, he agaped you. He chose you. He chose love for you. I'm going to ask in this moment if we'll just close our eyes. You know, I think that there's, we've been watching these videos of people coming to Christ, and there's some people who have these amazing encounters. Um, one of the guys um, on Chosen, he was kind of in this space where he was like, God, I don't even know if you're real, even though we're making these shows, like, I'm just in this black hole. And somebody invited him to church, and he had this amazing God encounter. And then I was watching another one where a guy says, I was struggling and trying to find truth and all of these things. And I just felt something nudge in my heart to look to the left or right. And there was this church. And when I looked at it, there was just this love that just shed in my heart. I don't even, I can't even describe it. And he said, I was just sitting on the bus surrounded by people. And I said, I surrender. Will you show me what this is? You may have a big moment experience or you may have a small 
moment where you come and you just surrender. It's different for all of us, but Christ is the one who brings us into restoration and healing. So whether you've ever experienced Christ or maybe you haven't, can we just take a moment? Maybe you need to surrender to him and say, I'm tired of trying to behavior modify. I'm tired of just trying to be a good person. But I need you. I need your love to break through all of these space, space, I can't talk. These spaces in my heart and these places. So Holy Spirit, right now, even in this moment, God, we say yes to you. We say yes to your relationship. We say yes to your connection. We say yes to your love. Yes to your freedom. Yes to your healing. And we thank you for it. And if you've never accepted Christ, my prayer to you is that you would just surrender. And when I came to Christ, I literally, that was my prayer. God, I surrender. I just surrender to you. I can't do this. I need your help. And guess what? That's not the first time you'll get to surrender. But I'm telling you, it's the best feeling of letting go. He said, come to me, all you are heavy burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take upon my yoke, take upon my way of doing life, and it'll be easy. When I came to Christ, I wanted everything around me to change. It did and it didn't. It didn't in the effect that when I gave my heart to Christ, I still had crazy circumstances on the outside that I had to walk through. But it did change me on the inside that I became a different person and began to see things differently. And that's my prayer for us this morning. We thank you, Jesus. We bless you. For more information, to give, or if you need prayer for anything, visit us online at reallifeministries.org. Shalom.